My first car was a Datsun 280ZX. Let me know if you know what car I'm talking about. Before we show it on the screen right now, it was the color of a penny. I guess that was a thing in 1981, which was the year of my car. I uh, bought it for a thousand bucks off of a newspaper ad. Like remember when you would open the newspaper and look for used cars, that's what I did. And uh, it, it was in bad shape. It uh, it was a standard transmission. It was great, but um, apparently, and if you're mechanically inclined, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't really understand it, but there is a flywheel in the car that helps get the car started, and it has sprockets, and several of the of the teeth on the sprockets were broken, which meant that depending on where it would line up, uh, you couldn't start the car. The only way for you to start the car was for you to like literally push the car to get the flywheel spinning and you would jump in put your foot on the clutch and turn the key before the flywheel stopped and that got it uh, started literally that's how i had to start my first car and uh w w the cool thing was is if there was a hill i would no 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 joke intentionally park uh like facing downward on the street put the emergency brake on so that if i wanted to leave my friend's house i didn't have to be embarrassed by pushing the car, I could get in, close the door, which was such a luxury for me at the time, uh, drop the e-brake, the car would start to roll, and then it would, then I could turn the ignition to start it. So that was my first car. It um, was not great. I ended up selling it and buying a second identical car. I don't know. I just liked these cars. They looked kind of like a James Bond car. And uh, it was in way better condition, and the flywheel was not broken. And I love that car. Uh, when I was, um, let's say, 19, I was, I think, my second year into ministry school. Uh, I was living with 12 other guys. Imagine that. That was fun. And we would often ride in my car. I remember driving, and the engine, the check engine light came on, and the oil, the oil light came on. And what the light told me was uh, I needed to put oil in the engine. Yeah, I had run out, I'd been leaking or something. I hadn't changed the oil before. And, you know, uh, this is my first, you know, foray into adulthood. And I thought, well, that's inconvenient. Yeah, I'll get to that some other. And then I just ignored it. And then I got used to the presence of this check engine light that was telling me that I have low oil in my engine. And as any 19-year-old, <laughs> I got distracted and got caught up in, in you know, my friends and, and going here and there and, and, and learning ministry and all this stuff. And one day, I will never forget it, I was uh, driving and uh, I started to smell something and I started to hear something. And then I started to see smoke coming out of the, the engine and then the car just stopped. And my, fr my like, I had three friends with me in this tiny car. And it admittedly took me a while to figure out what happened. Um, I ran out of oil. And the I ruined the engine. Like, I ran the, the <laughs> I, I ran the car with no, no oil in the engine, and I destroyed the, the, the engine. And so, uh, thankfully, we were near our house, and so my friends and I pushed my now second 280ZX back to where we were, where it would sit for months before I ended up finding a buyer who 
bought it for parts. And it was interesting. My first car, you had to push to start it. My second car, we had to push because it wouldn't start anymore. Because I neglected the check engine light and I neglected to put oil uh, in there. Now, what's crazy about that is, you know, a quart of oil, I mean, a few bucks, right? And uh, while the car had major problems, had I put a quart of oil in that engine before leaving that day with my friends, I wouldn't have blown up the engine. And just is uh, mind blowing to me that 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 small fix, that like either the presence of oil or the absence of oil literally made or, or, or broke my, my car. And I think that's like just such an important lesson in life. We're gonna learn similarly a lesson like that from Jesus today is uh, sometimes check engine lights come on. You know, sometimes warnings um, come to us they're usually inconvenient. They're usually not what we wanna hear at the time. They're usually not what we're gonna see. We don't wanna deal with whatever is going on at the time. But if we ignore those small warnings, um, what is a small problem, just, you know, you haven't changed your oil and the, and the oil is like all burnt up, will ruin the whole thing. And so we're going to be uh, looking at a couple of verses in the Gospel of Mark. I would invite you to turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 8. Um, something that I've been doing um, recently is I have a app called the Daily Office. And uh, I'll, show, I'll show it to you here. And uh, what's, what's awesome about this is it gives you a lot of different uh, scriptures to read. It has a plan. I, I need a plan. Uh, if I don't have a plan, I'm not going to thrive. And so um, I, I would encourage you to, if you don't have something like that, check out this app, The Daily Office. There's so many other apps like that. You know, the Bible app has plans you can do. Um, but I, I want to specifically encourage you to um, read the Holy Scriptures every day. And uh, there's there's like so many places you could go. I, I We've talked a lot, especially this summer, about the proverb of the day. Um, you can read through the Psalms. Uh, I, I try to read through the Psalms every month. Um, I, you know, there's so there, there's great stuff in the Old Testament. There's uh, it, it's all great, right? Some of it's easier to grasp. Um, the, the epistles always build me up. But um, one of the things that I've I've been freshly reminded of is the importance of reading the Gospels, uh, of of reading, and if anything, observing the life and the teachings of Jesus. And so I wanna encourage you, uh, you know, maybe if you're not doing it, to uh, make, you know, make a habit of reading Jesus every day, reading the Gospels every day. And the Daily Office app helps, helps me do that. It has its own plan and agenda, and I just, whatever it says to read, I read it that day. It's not super long. And um, I have found, especially in these trying times that we have, uh, where anxiety can come in with our thoughts. Um, usually that's the threshold where anxiety comes in is through our thoughts. Um, having the, the, the pattern of Jesus and the words of Jesus in our mind is a crucial thing to do. 
at all times, especially in these days in which we live. So I wanna encourage you to do that. I tell you that because I think it was last month or earlier this month, Mark 8 was in my reading, and I just felt the Lord highlight this for me. And uh, I really wasn't um, planning on preaching a sermon on it or sharing it, uh, but as it's just marinated in me, and um, as I've looked at the world and like our culture and this, the, the cascading crises and the, the, the increasing um, polarization division that we have, that um, surely you have seen and felt. Um, and, and as I look at you, as I look at our church, as I look at the challenges facing our church, uh, this uh, check engine light, so to speak, this warning um, from Christ um, feels particularly timely. And so, um, yeah, t today is going to be one of those days where uh, it's, it's like a warning. I mean, that if you looked at the thumbnail, I think it will probably say something like beware, right? Which is like not clickable, like people like, let me learn about that, you know? So um, it'll be good. It'll be short. Uh, I think it'll be good for you. So let's read um, Mark. We'll start in verse 11. And if you're looking at the scriptures, either on your phone or you know, analog. Um, it's important to know the context here. Chapter eight starts with the feeding of the 4,000, which is the second time Jesus has fed a mass group of people. Um, so that is crucial to understand what's gonna go, what's happening in the text that we read. We're not gonna read that miracle, but you just gotta know like, this is coming on the heels of Jesus uh, um, multiplying a, a bunch of bread, okay? So we'll, um, we'll start in verse 11. And that'll lead us into our warning. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign, and get this, from heaven to test him. I'd just love for you just to note these Pharisees are, are they've got their gaze in the heaven. They, they want to see something from heavens. Like they want to see something miraculous come down from the heavens. Very important to just note that. Verse 12. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. Wow. I mean, when, when you make Jesus <sighs> sigh, right? Uh, you know, every day for the last two weeks, we've gotten an email from our school with new updated COVID protocols, and it's, <sighs> right? Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit, said, and he said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left. How great is that? He left, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. And I am marveled at Jesus's ability to just go, to encounter opposition and go, no. And then walk away. I mean... The differentiation Christ has is pretty incredible. He knows their motives, and he knows it doesn't matter what sign he gives them, they're not gonna believe. And so he just refuses the setup, refuses the game, says, I'm not going to feed into your trap, walks away. I, very incredible. It's not the point of the sermon, just makes me giggle, if I'm honest. Verse 14, here's the point. The, on the disciples, they're now on the boat going to the other side with the memory of feeding the 4,000 in their, in their mind, and now the Pharisees uh, trying to trap him. 
verse 14, now they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Now, like, let's not, let's not throw stones at the disciples because I, I think we would all do this. Like, he just fed 4,000 people with bread and he multiplied it in their hands. He did it kind of under the table. He didn't do it in a big, like, and here's a pile of bread. He did it as, as the disciples distributed. So, so, so the miracle happened in the disciples' hand, which is fascinating. And then they forgot to bring bread and they're like, oh, snap, right? And you got the bread of life in the boat with you who just, it's, it's we chuckle because we have hindsight, but like we would do the same thing. I would do it at least. And so here's the warning. Here's the check engine light. Here's the like, hey, be on guard, verse 15. And he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So you get the scene, they're in the boat, they're like, oh, we forgot bread. They're probably like fighting or upset. He cautions them and he says, watch out, beware, right, of the leaven, and he's using this analogy, of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Some translations say the Herodians. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they have no bread. Um, one, one commentator talked about how they, they think he's talking about like, beware of where you get the bread. Like when he says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees, beware the yeast of the Herodians or, or the yeast of Herod, they're still thinking like, we're hungry, we have a bread, we... Are you saying not to go to a Target to get the bread? You're saying go to H-E-B or should we go to Whole Foods? Like, like they're kind of like still in this plane of, wait, beware of where we get the bread. Beware that there might be leaven in the bread. That we, like they're, they're just stuck on the earthly plane, which is fascinating, which I wanted to highlight your attention to the fact that the Pharisees have their eyes in the heavens. Like we're looking for a sign from heaven that's miraculous and the disciples have their head down on bread. Right, and Mark gives us this contrast of the Pharisees looking in the heavens, the disciples looking down on their one loaf of bread, saying, "Man, we blew. We should have had some scraps left over." And the bread of life is in there, going, "Hey, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Herodians," and they don't get it. Um, verse seventeen, and Jesus, aware of this, said. Why are you discussing the fact you have no bread? Do you uh, not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Yes. Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves up for the 5,000, how many basketfuls? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, do not yet understand, right? So we see this like really striking example of Jesus in chapter eight for, for these days, I think it was three days, he's healing people, they're with him, they're hungry and out of compassion. He goes, I need to feed them and we're gonna do this thing again. And so he provides 
um, not only for the needs of the crowd out of compassion, but he provides abundantly so that they have basketfuls left over and he does the miracle through the hands of the disciples. On the heels of that, some Pharisees come to trick him, to trap him, saying, give us a sign from the heavens. And he says, no, and he gets in the boat. <sighs> he just sighed and the disciples are like, stink, we, we only have a loaf. And he's like, hey, that's not the problem. The problem is not that you don't have enough food. The problem is the yeast of the Pharisees, the yeast of the Herodians. I am, Jesus saying, I am concerned with their, their false doctrine, their hypocrisy, or their selling out to the Roman government, getting into you, my followers, in this kingdom operation that I'm bringing to earth. Beware of the temptations that the Herodians would bring, saying, hey, let's, let's sign up with Rome. Beware of the temptations of the Pharisees, which say it is, it is with obeying the law that you can be right with God. And their hypocrisy, they say the right things, but they do not do them, which was Jesus' chief complaint against them. And Jesus' concern about his followers in the kingdom of heaven. But his disciples are like, we only brought a, a loaf of bread. And then as he shares his concern, they still don't get it. And he goes, oh, your heart's hardened. You got eyes, but you're blind. You got ears, but you're deaf. Like, you know, feel for Jesus, like we should hug him or something. Like that is terrible. I can, I can hear your amens through, through the camera. What is what, yeast, leaven? Uh, in the scriptures, leaven is used as a symbol for evil. If you go to the Old Testament in Exodus and Leviticus, there are strict instructions that during the Passover season, rid your house of all leaven. Purify your house from those small things that infect the, the large. Right in the, in the New Testament, in I think it's 1 Corinthians 5, if I'm remembering rightly, I've got small kids, grace is appreciated. Uh, but, but in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 5, um, Paul uses that analogy of leaven um, to, to speak of unconfessed sin. Sin that's not been dealt with is like leaven, and it leavens the whole lump. In Galatians 5, he, uh, he, he, uh, he does the same thing. Except with, in, in, in 1 Corinthians, it's with unconfessed sin. In Galatians 5, it's, it's, it's false doctrine. It's, and, and Paul says in both cases, a little leaven leavens the lump. So all throughout the scriptures, when you see leaven or yeast or, or, or a symbol, it, it is a warning. It is saying, hey, there's this little thing. It's tiny. You can barely see it. It's evil, but it will infect the whole lump. And you can think of examples of this, you know, the Old Testament of, uh, of, 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 of the sin of Achan and, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the sin buried under the tent and the whole, the whole group is affected because of one man. Like, like it's just this idea that a little leaven leavens the lump. And, and Jesus is taking that and he's building it and goes, hey, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. Beware the yeast of the Herodians. The yeast of the Pharisees, very simple. It was their false doctrine. It was their belief that, that in order to be right with God, in order to, to gain a relationship with God, you had to perfectly perform all of these religious things. And we say that it's just, it's just false. What, what we know is the gospel is that it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's not Jesus plus following these rules. 
It's not Jesus plus perfect church attendance. It's not Jesus plus tithing, however we would appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? It's not Jesus plus whether you're a good person. Like, no, no, the gospel is just simply Jesus. The Pharisees got it wrong. They got wrapped around all the laws and the legalism. But that probably wasn't their most dangerous 11. Their, their most dangerous 11 was their hypocrisy. It was the one thing Jesus constantly confronted them on publicly. He would tell the crowds, do what they say, but not what they do. He would constantly expose how on the outside they appeared to be clean, but on the inside they were dirty. On the outside they appeared to be clean, but on the inside they were a rotten grave. They were whitewashed tombs. Jesus is constantly saying, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for your hypocrisy. And Jesus is warning his disciples and warning us, beware of these the Pharisees. Beware of that false doctrine, that false gospel that would say, you need Jesus and then a bunch of other stuff. No. It's not it. And beware of the hypocrisy. Beware of believing and saying, but, 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 but not doing. Jesus would say in the Sermon on the Mount that the foolish person hears the words of God and does not put them into practice. The wise person hears the words of God, puts them into practice, builds his house on the rock. His brother James would say, be hearers of the word, or be doers of the word, not hearers only, lest you deceive yourself. The hypocrisy, you know, um, I think it's changing a little bit today, uh, but for so long, and I think even today, if you ask most people, what's the number one problem you have with Christians or the church? They would say hypocrisy. It's been kind of the age old thing is Christians are often known for and portrayed as people who believe one thing but don't actually do it. Jesus saying, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Beware of the yeast of the hypocrites, those who believe something up here and say something, but they don't do it themselves. I heard um, probably almost a decade ago, I was at a conference. I think I've shared this story a couple of times, and uh, Rick Warren was interviewing a pastor from China who was, he, he is known, he, he's uh, hunted by the Chinese government. They um, had to you know, protect his name and, and like block his identity. And uh, I think this guy was, he was a pastor of like 20,000 churches or something in China. It was just like like New Testament style stuff you would see and signs and one and just people come to faith left and right and like people being healed. And it was like great, it's happening in China. And so about a decade ago, uh, Rick Warren um, was interviewing him at this conference I was at. And uh, this uh, Rick asked him, he goes, man, why, why is it that in America we don't see what's happening in China right now? Like, like in what, what's happening with the Chinese church? Like, America dreams of being able to have that stuff. And this, I forget the guy's name, because they, um, and they, they had it blocked, but he said, um, he said, the problem with you Americans is you teach beyond obedience. And the whole room is like, what? And he goes, he goes, in, in, in China, when we disciple someone, we sit down and say forgiveness. We talk about forgiveness and, and we talk about the Lord's Prayer and we, we teach on Jesus's 
way of forgiving people and blessing your enemies. And then we go, okay, go put it in practice. Who do you need to forgive? And someone might make a list of, I need to forgive this person, this person, this person. It's like, okay, well, your, your job for this week is to put this in action, to not be a hypocrite and go and forgive those people. The next week they meet again, the person could come back. And if they say, yeah, I forgave them, I did this, then they move on to the next thing to teach them. But if that person says, no, I just have time. Oh, I was too hard. I didn't want to forgive. I'm using this as an example. Then the pastor said, okay, all right, well, let's look at it again. Let, let's do the Lord's Prayer. You know, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those. And they'll work through, okay, do you understand? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. So this week, you're gonna go forgive, right? They come back a third week and they haven't forgiven. They, they refuse to teach them anything else. And this pastor from John is like, why would we teach someone more of the way of Jesus when they can't implement what they already know in their head. We're just going to create hypocrites. And this pastor from China says, that's the number one problem in America in the church. This is a decade ago. And it was like, yeah, we have a way of teaching people beyond their capacity to obey. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Beware of the yeast of those who want to get wrapped up in all of the, 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 the rules and the rituals and the protocols and are hypocrites, Jesus says, with his followers in the kingdom of heaven. That's dangerous. That's evil. A little bit of leaven leavens the lump. And if we're honest, we can look back at 2,000 years of church history and we can say, yeah, there's some leaven in the lump. The other thing is he says, beware of the yeast of the Herodians. The, the Herodians were a group that had all of their faith in Herod whom uh, had an open affair, whom John the Baptist corrected, and who martyred John the Baptist. Uh, and this is the Herod that when Pilate sent Jesus to Herod, um, Jesus had no words for Herod. It's the only person in the Bible that Jesus ignored. Everywhere Jesus encountered someone, he would engage with them. Herod, not so much. Crazy, the only person Jesus had no words for was Herod. And Jesus says, beware of the yeast of Herod. Beware of the yeast of the Herodians. Their belief was that the Roman government would usher in the kingdom of heaven. They had a, a, a nationalistic view of the kingdom of heaven and that, that Rome and Herod and political rule was going to enforce and bring in the Messiah and, and, and the kingdom of heaven. And, and a lot of the disciples had similar views. They thought Jesus was going to be a political figure and he was constantly you know, downplaying and saying, no, 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 that's not how the kingdom's gonna be. And he says, beware, not just of the yeast of the Pharisees, which is false doctrine and hypocrisy, but beware of the yeast of Herod. Beware of the yeast of the Herodians. Beware of the, of the temptation to put your hope in princes. You know, Psalms 118 says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to take refuge in princes. I'm sure you need no imagination to apply that in our day. Today, we live in a a politically polarizing world. And it seems to get more polarizing every day. My friends, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to take refuge in Herod or Rome. Or as much as I love America, even America, the kingdom of heaven is what we're after. We are followers of Jesus. That is our chief aim, to seek first the kingdom of heaven. Beware 
of the false doctrine that would say Jesus plus all these things. Beware of the hypocrisy of the, uh, of the religious. Beware of the temptation to put all your hope in, in, in the government or in the Herods of our day. Beware of that leaven because a little bit of leaven leavens the lump. And Jesus is concerned with us being in the car, driving down the road with each other, running out of oil, and allowing something so small to ruin the whole thing. Beware, be on guard, be watchful. My friends, we live in days that are evil. In fact, let me close with this scripture wasn't planning on, it's not in the notes. I think this would be an appropriate way to end our time. This is Ephesians 5. Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Can I get an amen? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit, that's that. That is not a one-time thing. If you look into the the, the grammar, there it is. Uh, it, it really would be be constantly filled, be filled every day with the spirit, addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Friends, I just want to encourage you as this season of weariness and suffering and cascading crises and uh, another chapter of the pandemic comes upon us. Um, Beware the yeast of the Pharisees. Beware the yeast of the Herodians. Be on guard. Be careful. The days in which we live are evil. Let's live our lives in gratitude. Let's live our life singing and giving spiritual songs to one another in the Lord. Let's give our lives into loving and laying down our lives for one another. We'll throw up a couple of questions I'd love for you to consider this week. Number one, are there any areas in which you're being hypocritical? My guess is we all have a we all have areas in our lives where we might believe one thing, but it might not be consistent with our actions. And I would just encourage you to press in with the Lord right now, later today, this week, and say, Lord, show me where my actions may not align with my belief. Are there any areas in which the the leaven of hypocrisy has come into your life? Where do you say, where do you say and believe but not do? Second would be, is there any false gospel that you're believing? Is there any bad news scripts? And they don't have to be overt, they can be super subtle, like for you to be okay, you need to be successful. Or for you to be okay, you need lots of friends. Or for you to be okay, you need to be um, popular. There's so many bad news scripts out there The gospel is Jesus plus nothing 
equals everything. Third, has the yeast of the Herodians entered your house? Is there any way in which um, you would align with the Herodians of Jesus' day, which is like your hope is in Herod, your hope is in the Roman government, your hope is in the Roman rule, your, your, your hope is in, um, is in the authorities and the government to bring forth the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says to watch out for that. I don't think you need me to tease that out. I think you're all smart adults and know how to apply that. Let's pray. Abba Father, we are so grateful for the life of Jesus that you have given to us, that you have sent your son to come in your image to take on the form of humanity, to become obedient to death, even death on the cross, to not just walk with us, not just show us the way, but to also speak your words, to share where the landmines are, to point out where we should be, where, where we should be cautious, where we should pay attention to the schemes of the evil one. Lord, I pray that you would deliver us from the schemes of the evil one. And I ask right now, God, you would purify us, everyone listening, watching, our church body, our church family, that you would purify us from the yeast of the Pharisees, the yeast of the Herodians, the yeast of this world. Lord, I ask you would consecrate us, that you would set us apart to be people for you and your kingdom. Help us to follow your way. Help us to know your teachings. Help us to write your word on our hearts. Help us to share them with our children daily. Help us to be the people that you have in mind to be salt and light in this world. Lord, for those weary, for those heavy laden, for those discouraged, those who are sick, Lord, for those who are in grief. God, I pray you would surround them right now with your presence. And in the midst of whatever circumstance they're in, God, help them to know that you are with them. God, we bless you and we thank you for your goodness to us. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.